you think we'd know what we were doing by now, but we don't. This is Jacob Bratz with JLB Morelia. This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And you're listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast. Enjoy. I mean, are we ready to go? Ready when you are. Good, because we're already going. But welcome, everybody. It's episode 91 of the Herpeticulture Podcast, part of the Herpeticulture Network. I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. I'm Jacob Ross, J.O.B. Morelia. We're joined tonight by my buddy Brian Fisher of Front Range Arboreals. What's up, dude? Not a whole lot. Hanging in there. Living the dream. Yeah. Yeah. Twins on the way, so... Yeah, so I, say you gotta be congrats, been man. Stressing been but excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, seemed like an eternity, but flown by <laughs> almost at the end here. Hey, hey, Justin, can you turn your mic up a little bit? Turn my mic up a little bit, like that. Turn something up for me to hear you a little better. Is that better? A little bit more. I mean, I can't push it much more. Oh. It's oh, okay. Blow well, out poor people's yeah. eardrums, but now my phone is having a spaz attack. What is happening? I don't know. I don't know. You shouldn't have turned it up, man. Why did you turn it up? Gee. I mean, is that any better? Uh, yeah, it's a little better. Okay. We're good. I mean, I'm, I'm clipping a little bit, so. That's a Uh-oh. that's an audio term for you, Jake. <clears throat> we're good. Yeah, I, I, know, I know it is. Yeah, dude, what was it like when they said you were having twins? Was it like a... Oh, well, um, now we got to double down on everything we've already bought. <laughs> yeah, not too bad. I mean, kind of, uh, we lucked out, and it's a boy and a girl, so kind of get it all done in one shot. Yeah. There you go. That's cool. Um, but, yeah, it's it's stressful having to buy two of everything, <laughs> that's for sure. So are, will these be your first kids? Yeah. Oh, oh wow. Okay. There you go. Yeah. You know right what that means? You got to smoke two cigars when they're born. Eh. <laughs> I'm not much of a cigar smoker, but I do like whiskey. So there you go. So you make do a double. double. Yeah, we'll do a double. Perfect. Um, but real quick, this show is brought to you by Steve Snakeberry and his Venom Hot Sauce, and and cages and exotics with all your best racks and cage is. Custom, whatever you need. <laughs> Rax and cages. Yeah, cages, plural. It's not that he doesn't sell cage, he sells cages. That's right. As in, you... if you go to him, just go ahead and buy like four. That's right. You know, you can't just have Same one. Same with the hot sauce. That's no. Right. You've got to collect the whole set. Yeah, so if you're going to get the hot sauce, maybe they'll get them all. What's the point of having just one? That's right. But now that that's out of the way, um, so, I mean, most people are going to know Brian from Front Range Arboreals. He's a big Condro guy, uh, which is may or may or not secretly be the reason he's here. Uh, <laughs> we just tell him it was yeah. about it was for chameleons and stuff. Um, We're going to talk about chameleons, but how do you keep the Condros? <laughs> but he he was on the Condro cast fairly early on, so 
but it's been a while since I've talked to him on the official so podcast. So does that mean there's no Conjurer talk in this episode? Mm, I don't, we'll we'll, that, we'll keep that... it to a minimum, but I can't make any promises. So if you want to listen to Brian talk about Conjurers, go check out his episode of the Conjurcast, also part of the Herb Pedicultural Network. Hey, boy, that hey. Was, boy, I'm going to call you Butter because you're on a roll. Mm. Mm. I'm a little slippery. Well, I, I should say that I while I've condors have been the most like consistent species I've kept, mm-hmm. I've I've dabbled in just about everything over the last twenty years. Um, so I'm down to talk whatever you guys want to talk about. Cool. I don't think we really got into like your history with reptiles in general though on the Condor cast. I think it was like all business. But I mean what like what did you before you got into condors and everything, like what was like the first stuff you were keeping? Um so I probably like really started keeping keeping stuff uh, when I was like ten. Mm-hmm. I was kind of really when the bug hit me to start keeping stuff at home. Uh, parents were not too cool on rodents. It actually wasn't the snakes that bothered them; it was the rodents. So I started out with like Eurymastix, uh, uh, dart frogs, all sorts of geckos, uh, ribbon snakes, garter snakes because they ate fish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I kind of got a little bit older, um, a few years later, I finally broke them and, uh, they got me a, a little red Neo Biak from a show Hamburg. Uh, and that's kind of what all triggered it. Um, but I don't know, it, it's hard to remember back that far, but, um, yeah, I still kind of dabbled in a lot of stuff throughout throughout high school and college. Um, I had a very heavy dart frog phase yeah. uh, in high school. Uh, I was probably keeping like 15 species at, at one point of those. Nice. Um, dabbled in chameleons. Um, and all throughout high school and a lot of college, I worked at a local place called That Fish Place in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where I grew up. Um, it, it's one of the largest, if not the largest online pet re- retailer. Yeah. And they have, they have a really large, uh, reptile room. At least they did when I was still living back there. Um, not sure what it looks like now, but we would get in all sorts of different stuff, uh, stuff that you wouldn't see at a normal, just kind of, you know, regular local reptile shop. Um, at least back in that, you know, that time, uh, getting a lot of stuff from like strict strictly and, and whatnot. Um, you know, back, you know, 15, 15 years ago or so, you could still get a lot of really cool stuff that's rare now. You know, like I remember seeing, uh, you know, prince tail skinks for like 80 bucks, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. You know, you know, it was just looking back, it's, it's it just kills me. But um, anyway, so I did that in high school. I I got to work with a lot of different different things, uh, you know, colubrids, boas, pythons, uh, you know, that was kind of just as ball pythons were really starting to be, uh, you know, really massively produced with all the morphs and stuff. So we were still getting in like, you know, those big adult, um, ball pythons with like ticks and all that sort of stuff straight out, you know, straight from Africa. Yeah. The import, um, imported normal. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't quite, you know, as well known at that point as being easy keepers. Um, you know, that seems to be the trend with everything. It's, it's hard to keep when it's wild. And then once it's got the bread, it's 
it's fine. Um, so yeah, I did, I did that in high school and part of college. Uh, once I got into college, I, I, uh, I was pursuing a biology degree and I started to kind of network and got in with some people at National Aquarium in Baltimore and started volunteering there for a little while in college, uh, worked with their dart frog keeper for the mm -hmm. most part. Uh, they have a, a very extensive, uh, collection of dart frogs in the back. Uh, it's not on, on display. Uh, they have a lot of, uh, Adelopus, the uh, man and golden frogs. Uh, so got to work with those a little bit. Um, and then eventually I started, I, I got, I don't really remember when I met Christian, but, um, I met Christian Stewart, at, I think at one of the barbecues in Maryland and we became pretty good friends and i ended up going down there um pretty much every weekend for for about a year to help them out at the barn mm -hmm. so that's kind of where i got exposed to a lot of like the designer stuff uh sean also had a very big dart frog collection which is kind of mostly what i helped with there yeah i remember um, uh tim morris talking about that yeah yeah i mean sean sean was one of the the biggest uh dart frog producers in the country for for quite a while I'm not sure if they're still doing it on a on a big scale anymore, but yeah. But back then they were they had a lot of frogs. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I helped them for about a year, uh, just on weekends when I wasn't in class. And then I graduated and got a job at Lowry Park Zoo in Tampa, Florida, as a herp keeper. Um, did that for about a year. Uh, worked with. Komodo dragons, Aldarba tortoises, uh, Philippine croc, all sorts of cool stuff down there. Um, and then from there, I actually transitioned to aquariums. So I, I had a probably six-year kind of hiatus where I was still keeping some stuff at home, um, mostly just some chondros, but really kind of dove deep into the aquarium world, uh, worked for a company called Living Color uh, down in South Florida, Fort Lauderdale area. Um, and they, they had a show called fish tank Kings, uh, where they were basically the same as tanked. Uh, you know, they were the kind of the, those guys main competitor on the big, you know, fancy custom aquarium, mm -hmm. uh, industry. And they eventually decided to open a wholesale import export saltwater fish business, um, was, the original intent was to supply um, customers that would buy the custom aquariums with fish that they could, you know, uh, reliably say were healthy and in good condition and, and right. such. Because um, if you think there's bad quality, like import reptiles, fish <laughs> is a whole nother level. Uh, people have no idea. Uh, the amount of disease and death in that industry is quite shocking. It, it, it took the toll on me to say the least. Um, but yeah, so we, so I, I eventually went down there. I helped them build that facility out. I was the, one of the first two employees got there. It was a bunch of just, uh, cinder blocks and, and fiberglass tubs. Uh, so we built that facility out eventually started importing fish from, you know, Bali, Fiji, Hawaii, kind of all over the world and coral, um, and supplying all different aquarium stores throughout the U S eventually. And I did that for, for 
about four and a half, five years, uh, that business eventually closed. And uh, I was kind of telling Justin, that was a kind of a blessing in disguise. That's what brought my wife and I out to Colorado. And I worked at the uh, Denver Aquarium um, out here for about a year and a half doing life support. So working on like filtration pumps, kind of the more uh, technical side of, of aquarium keeping, which uh, uh, honestly, that's, that's what the majority of aquarium keeping is. It's managing equipment and water quality. <laughs> it's not, not really a whole lot of husbandry, to be honest with you. Um, and from there, I kind of transitioned into kind of more professional water quality type stuff. And that's what I do now. So now I sell, um, you know, water quality analyzers and lab equipment and things like that. So that kind of everything in a nutshell. Um, oh, I did also, and it kind of ties into maybe what we'll talk about if we're talking about lizards. Um, kind of the reason that I'm really into cyclura iguanas is I spent uh, a month, one summer uh, between semesters in college volunteering down in Grand Cayman with the Blue Iguana Recovery Program, uh, doing mostly kind of their, uh, their startup program, working with the iguanas in there that they were breeding to later, uh, you know, produce babies to release in the wild, uh, but also doing some field work with them, kind of, um, you know, doing surveys, things like that. That's really cool. Because yeah. you got uh, you got a hybrid today, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I have a pair of Lewis Eye hybrids. Um, one was directly from Ty Park. The other, the other was produced by Ty, but I got it from somebody else. I got you. And are those the first ones Cyclura you've had, or have you kept them in the past? I've uh, worked with them uh, previous jobs, but I've never had them privately. Uh, space has always been the main reason I didn't didn't pursue them. Um, but I re- we recently bought a house, so uh, the shackles are off. <laughs> nice. That's always fun, man, when you finally get to a spot that you can keep you know, an animal. You that's, do whatever you, know, you want. Like the yeah. like a dream species of of sorts, you know. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, rhino iguanas are cool, man. If I had the space, oh yeah, dude. I mean, obviously that's the case with so many of the other things I want, but oh yeah. If space were no object, then uh, I definitely have have at least one. Yeah, but, if space were no object, there's a lot of stuff I would I would have, but uh, you know, it'd be uh, Cyclura <laughs> and then a whole room for dart frogs. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Which uh what species were you heavy into when you were keeping those? It, dark frogs? Yeah. Um uh, mostly the smaller stuff, uh, a lot of pamilio. Mm-hmm. Um uh maculatus or or whatever they were back then. <laughs> I I have I, keep up with I, honestly, anymore, I haven't I haven't kept up with it in the last like five or 10 years, but I understand pretty much everything's changed. Um, but whatever events are now, that's what I was keeping back then. Um, I was really into tricolors and Antonia. Um, so mostly yeah, a lot of the smaller stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never really a fan of breeding Heidi. Yeah. Yeah. I mm-hmm. could always do well with the, with the other types, but, uh, uh, I always found, found those to be kind of temperamental as far as cultures. If you didn't keep up with them, uh, you know, good enough. So 
Uh, I usually just stuck with the smaller species. Yeah, I haven't dealt with with Heidi yet. I haven't had a reason to, but I've kind of heard the same thing. Like they're a little more sensitive than Melanogaster. Yeah, yeah. But, um, God, they're fun, man. Like you don't you yeah, would, it's, it's a lot like the saltwater aquarium thing. Like it's a you know a look don't touch kind of thing. But I don't know what it is. It's so addicting about you know putting these cages yeah. together and stuff. It's just it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, that's that's kind of what I've tried to preach a little bit to, like, the snake crowd is, like, I know bioactive is, like, a big debate and, and whatever, but, you know, I keep, uh, right now, I keep everything pretty much standard as most people do in the hobby, but, you know, now that I, we just moved and I'm in this bigger house, I'm definitely going to set up some, some bigger stuff for for snakes. I mean, and maybe that's because of my, you know, more diverse perspective, having done a lot of the dart frog stuff, very heavy, a lot of the aquarium stuff, very heavy, but those communities, they're just way more obsessed with the whole package as opposed to just like plopping the animal in like an empty box. <laughs> right. Um, I, know, I, I get a lot more enjoyment out of it for sure. Um, See, well, what you do is a little different, though, because, uh, like, I kind of consider, you know, from the stuff I've seen as far as some of your conjure enclosures, like, you kind of have, like, an in-between where it'll be, like, a vision cage or something, but, you know, you'll have it decked out with plants, and it's not, like, full-blown naturalistic, but it does have, you know, a decent substrate, it does have pothos or whatever other plant you have in there, you know, so it's kind of like a mix of both, and... I mean, I kind of like that. I know I've tried the pothos thing. I still have pothos in some of my water bowls, but like you saw and you commented a while, I was actually laughing about that the other day. Like none of these pothos <laughs> are growing in my water bowls because you're like, what do you what are you expecting that little ass twig to do in those water yeah, bowls? If you had if you had a light light on it, it might it might root. But um, yeah, I mean, I I even when I do keep simply, and mostly that's just out of you know. Uh, the lifestyle I've lived over the last 10 years of moving like almost every year. Um, you know, it's just not practical, you know, it's, it's one thing to say space, but when you're really like moving everything every year, you know, it's just, it's impossible to really get anything going to any sort of, you know, uh, establishing plants and, and, uh, any sort of, you know, system. Um, but I'll definitely be doing some, some really cool big, big cages uh for some chondros and um also keep a lot of them you know like pretty much which is what is industry standard but uh, um you know i want to see a chondro go up you know bass like six feet up and then come down to the ground at night Mm -hmm. like i you know i like going in my snake room at night um you know like 11 o'clock or so after the lights have been out for a while and it's just you know i i guess a lot of people just don't don't do that or don't pay attention to it because um, they really are active snakes if you go in there when they're active you know it's, right um and that's the same for pretty much everything uh except for maybe ball pythons <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no I, i've always enjoyed going in there later in the evening and just and watching them just go it also partially Partially might be because I feed in the evenings, you know, but that that's also why I feed in the evenings because they're much more active and whatnot. But yeah, it's always nice walking in there and seeing them all moving around. 
Yeah, all my chondros are like my room comes alive, you know, between the boiga and the chondros, and it's nice because all those are asleep during the day, and then the dart frogs are roaming when it's light, you know, during daylight hours, and then at night, the snakes are out. Yeah. And it's funny to watch yeah. if you have one of those like Wi-Fi cameras in there to watch them like go straight up the side of a cage <laughs> and then reach like a point where they don't have any leverage and then they just kind of fall over. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brian, do you keep any um, any dart frogs now? I do not. Um, okay. I will be hopefully soon. Once once I uh, come up to breathe after these twins are born and and I can resume normal life maybe like three, four, or five years from now, I'll, <laughs> I'll set something up. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> they're dangerous, man. You just you can't have just one species. You know, there's just too many, oh, yeah. too many colors sure. and too many just variety. Like you gotta have at least a couple. Like Ranatum with you, though, like the smaller species, like the Ranatum and stuff. Those have those have quickly become sort of my favorite group. And if someone said you can only keep one group of darts, it would definitely be those. Yeah, I mean, and and just by virtue of them being so small, you can keep like a decent sized group mm-hmm. in a you know, a reasonably sized vivarium um, and really kind of see some cool behavior uh, without having them stressed out and, and you know, having the effects of that sort of thing. Right. Well, it's cool, too, because I've had, we've had neighbors come over and, you know, you can hear the, my phylobates and stuff going off in the, in the dining room and then you can hear the imitator going off in the snake room and you can hear the vanzellini going off in my room and it's just like they like it like they're they always think that's just so cool and even my parents liked it which i thought was kind of funny because i was sure my dad would be like those things gotta go but you you don't have anything that you don't have anything that calls at night do you uh my leucomelis will sometimes yeah not long after lights (laughs) out those are loud and those will just start going off at like 3 a.m and at this point me and katie are just used to it you know, I I kind of giggle whenever I hear it late at night because I'm like, dude, everyone's asleep. <laughs> like, it's not happening. Yeah, I had some familiar that would do it in the middle of the night. That was kind of annoying. I have uh, but two. That... I have two female of the uh, the typographica, the Nicaraguan blue jeans or pumilia, whatever you want to label them as. I can't keep up with that anymore either. Um, but I never see them. You know, obviously they're females, so I don't hear them. But I know that they're they're pretty loud, and obnoxious too when they want to be yeah 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 i used to uh where, where i used to where i grew up um where my parents live they have a small quarter acre pond out in the front yard and after a good rain the toes will come out and i used to fall asleep to toes just singing all night man it was uh it was always pretty cool i liked it but yeah i do miss miss uh Living back in Pennsylvania, hearing the spring peepers. Oh yeah, uh, that was one thing that I really missed about Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's awesome. Anytime around here, man, after a good rain, you can go outside and you can just listen to the frogs just about yeah, anywhere. Some of them That's it's not just super developed. Deafening. Some of it's just oh, so yeah. loud. It's just white noise. Man, I went to Florida on a on a herping trip, and we were cruising some roads, and we got out to check some ditches, and like you almost couldn't talk to the person next to you. It was so loud. <laughs> <laughs> like we we had to almost yell a little bit to hear. <laughs> it's, but it's weird because it then ridiculous. when you go and you shine a light and you look, there's nothing there. Like you nothing. don't see anything. Nope. So bizarre. Yeah. What yeah. Uh, what colubrids were you into when you were 
in those? Um, mostly uh, like kind of tropical arboreal stuff. Um, I, there was a time where I was keeping like a lot of different vine snakes. Um, I had some oxybellus for a little while. Oh, cool. Uh, that was back when I lived in Pennsylvania. Can't keep those out here. Otherwise I, I'd have them already, but, um, yeah, a lot of some of the, the smaller Asian vines, uh, the Suda, uh, things like that. Um, I had some Langaha for a little while too. Um, kind of got tired of buying the knolls for those. Yeah, uh, Nipper keeps trying to convince me to get some because he keeps talking about how awesome they are. I'm like, dude, they do look awesome, but I don't want to have yeah, to deal with they're, lizards. Just... They're super cool snakes, one of the most unique snakes around, but yeah, that... I mean, you you guys might have a little bit uh, easier time getting getting the knolls kind of being closer to the southeast, but out here it's kind of a pain to have to have somebody go catch like a hundred of them, then ship them out, and then mm-hmm. I got to keep them. Yeah. How often? I mean, being lizard eaters, though, how often? Like, what kind of feeding schedule did you have yours on? Because I mean, I I would think when you're dealing with a specialized diet like that, you're really having to kind of be a, mo- a lot more. You have to pay a lot more attention to how often you're feeding, just to kind of spread it out enough yeah i mean i think if i remember right i think i was kind of doing like a, a similar schedule to anything that eat rodents i mean they're small snakes they're thin snakes um so you know if you get like a big a big adult male brown and all or something like that it's a pretty pretty hefty meal for some of the smaller ones um the oxybellus ate rodents fine so they weren't an issue um I, if i, I want to say probably like once a week, maybe just get like a big, big fat male and all. Nice. I haven't seen Oxybellus available in a hot minute. I saw one available a couple weeks ago, but that's the only one I've seen in a very long time. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised people aren't more into them. Um, I'm, uh, I don't know if they don't, if they're not around because people just can't import them, uh, often or if, nobody's interested um but it seems like when they're available they go quick i think i think uh i think nerd hatched out some a couple years ago maybe and they were selling them pretty pretty high price and they i think they went pretty quick Hmm. um but yeah they're super super cool snakes mine were not kind in the least bit um but they're like super switched on, very, very visual, uh, follow you all over the place. I don't think I've ever seen a picture of one that wasn't gaping. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're... They all kind of suck. <laughs> I mean, the, the ones I had were wild caught, but, but yeah, they were definitely always uh, not happy to see me. Hmm. Sounds interesting. So what what brought you to chameleons and specifically the uh, the Parsons? Uh, well, they're kind of like the Cyclora. They're always something that I've just kind of been interested in. Um, they are very difficult to find and acquire. Um, even when they are available, they go very, very quickly usually. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of happened to stumble upon... Uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, this guy's page, uh, Craig Durbin, Primo Chameleons. Um, and he's got a pretty extensive collection of, of 
not just Parsons, but a lot of different other uh, of the genus Kaluma. And yeah, I just kind of started following his page and uh, message him uh, at some point. And he had eggs hatching pretty soon and said, well, yeah, hook me up with that. And I ended up getting two, two young yellow lip Parsons from him. Uh, let's say it was February or no, they hatched in February, 2019. I got them in maybe June. So a few months old and I just kind of, you know, started working with those, feeling them out. They're at least in my opinion, shockingly easy to keep. I know that, uh, you know, back maybe like 10, 15, 20 years ago, all I ever heard was that they were very difficult, probably because most of them were wild caught, but the captive bred ones that I got were, were super easy. Uh, as long as you keep them hydrated and relatively cool, they're, they're pretty bulletproof. Um, they, they grow super quick. So like that, that one, I don't know if, if Jacob, you've seen the, the photos of the one that I, the male I have, um, yeah, but he's like, I saw yeah, he's like eight, uh, 18 months old. So he, you know, they hatch a couple grams or whatever. And he's like, you know, 250 plus gram chameleon now, which for a chameleon is, is pretty big and he'll get a lot bigger than that um, from what it seems. So yeah, they grow super quick. Uh, they eat, they eat a lot. Um, and they have really good attitudes. You know, he, he never really like gapes or tries to bite, you know, not like some Parsons or, or, or veils or things like that. Dude, I had a veil as a kid. That was the freaking devil. Yeah, man. Veils <laughs> horrible, lot, man. I've encountered a lot of veils that are just like, want absolutely nothing to do with you and your existence. You know, they just, yeah. Yeah. This, this thing is like just, you know, a gentle giant and and every uh and, you know there's awesome um, you, you said he's gonna get a lot bigger uh, yeah i mean from from what i I've, I've been told that you know 500 to 700 grams is is not unlikely um wow. for an adult male so yeah we'll see i mean they don't all get that big but um i mean you think of how you know the size of a snake that big and a chameleon, you know, they're, they're not quite as, uh, dense as a snake. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a big, pretty big animal. I mean, right. he's, he's already as big as my, you know, from my forearm, forearm to the end of my, my hand. Is it the Mellers or the ones that get huge, like the size of a small cat? Uh, Parsons are the biggest. Oh, okay. Um, so, supposedly, I mean, you know, um, but yeah, Mellers, Mellers get pretty close. Ooslets get pretty close. I just remember seeing one at a show and being like, "Good lord!" Yeah, uh, and it was like the size of a pug. The one, the one thing that I really noticed uh, pretty quickly when I first got them is their grip strength is is completely different than than any other species I've ever ever had of the same size um you know they they just got like these little vice i mean their their hands are like little vice grip looking things but but yeah they they clamp on and it's kind of hard to get off get them off of you 
Yeah, gee whiz. I'm looking at a picture of a big one on someone's hand, and my God. That's, I just looked him up real quick while we're talking. Jeez, oh. Okay, yeah, those are about the size of a small cat. Yeah, man. Wow, that's incredible. It's like if a, a cat and a parrot had a baby. I can only imagine the strength behind those feet, man, and those toes grabbing you. I remember with the Jacksons and the veil I had, like, dude, those little feet, like those little nails. They get your... you. <laughs> yeah, like every, they were just every time I have, yeah, every time I take them out, I have all these little, like, um, scratches and, mm-hmm. and like, little, you know, red marks. Like, they jazz me every time I... Every time I get them out. Jeez. So are, are those the only chameleons you've worked with? Uh, I've worked with uh, panthers and veils um, mainly in the past. In some of my previous jobs, we've also had um, kind of a whole, you know, whole bunch of different species. Especially, right, right. You know, back at that fish place, we're getting all sorts of wild caught stuff in, you know, um, fishers, um Mellers, you know, uh, all all kinds of stuff. A lot of like the little um, Rampolian, uh, the the little dwarf African species. Right, right. Um, so so yeah. having having worked with all of them, would you say the Parsons are like? Because I know a lot of chameleons are very intolerable of being handled. Like they they really don't seem to, and, you know, tolerate it very well at all. Are these better as far as? you know, tolerating handling or a little calmer in general or? Um, I, I mean, they're, I, I mean, it's hard to say, like, I, I'm sure right. it probably stresses him out. Um, he definitely, like, as soon as I get close to back to the, to his cage, he's pretty quick to try and get back in there and like get yeah. on a, tr- a tree or a branch or something. So I'm sure he probably doesn't enjoy it. And I don't really take him up that often. Um, usually just to get like a picture every few months as he grows and and gets more color. I mean, he's, I just, um, posted some pictures to my page today, but he's, he's like an intense blue now. He's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. He's gorgeous. That's awesome. See, I was Um, with my first failed. I was a complete idiot. I mean, granted I was like 12 and, uh, I thought it would totally work out that I had a little ficus tree in my room and that that's what my veiled would live on and stay on. I was like, it's got this little <laughs> ficus. It wouldn't go anywhere. <clears throat> and uh, that wasn't the case because I would come in my room try and find this damn veiled in this little ficus tree and it was nowhere to be found. And I, at the time, I had like a comforter that had a bunch of lizards and stuff on it. And... So, like, we looked high and low for this freaking chameleon. I couldn't find it. And so then I laid down on my bed trying to figure out where it could have gone. And uh, it was, like, right there on my pillow staring at me, like, all puffed up. <laughs> I didn't even notice it. it was, yeah, the ficus thing did not work out. I was like, this is this is perfect. He has no reason to go anywhere. He'd be, like, up on the curtain <laughs> rod. And, I mean, it was, like, the dumbest thing. Like, no one should do this. It's not going to work. Yeah, but yeah, as a just, kid, I was yeah. like, this will be perfect. There will be a little free-range chameleon. And then, of course, it was, like, taking a crap all over the place like it just yeah. it did not it did not work out no yeah in theory it, it sounds cool yeah but, uh, it'd be great in yeah. a cage in like a screen cage with that ficus tree in it sure but 
Yeah, like it won't you're like one step me. step away from a Tegu running around chasing dog toys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that was also that was the same veiled that was like the devil. And then when it died, I was this odd mixture of like sad and also kind of relieved. Uh, Where I was like, <laughs> uh, I was like I was crying, but at the same time I was like, he's trying to bite me, even as like I'm carrying him out, trying to fight, figure out what to do with him. In a little Tupperware. I don't know, man. I just, I was a kid, and that was, we can add that to my list of failures, of which there are many. Yeah. I mean, they're, as a group, generally speaking, they're, they are sensitive. They do, they can go downhill fast. Um, So they they probably do require a a closer eye than somebody who kind of knows what, what signs to look for in a reptile that might be struggling or or not in the right conditions um but yeah if you if you've been keeping a lot of different things um you know they're they're not too hard yeah chameleons are one of those it's i mean i would almost say they're like chondros like they're not that hard as long as you have everything set up properly not hard easy to overthink yeah, easy to overthink. Yeah. It's really not that difficult as long as you do it right. But if you screw up, then the animals are going to suffer like kind of quick, you know. And it's that's why that's why I hate that places like PetSmart and Petco will sell chameleons like mm-hmm. it's nothing, you know, because they they require more than you know your average little lizard you know like a leopard gecko a bearded dragon one thing but a chameleon's a little bit it's just like that's, bit bigger that's of a the, step. the impulse buy and it's it's not a play with me kind of lizard like beard yeah disorder, you know you but know? because that's what everybody wants when they go to pet smart trying to buy a pet you know they want a pet they can handle and and play with you know and chameleons are just not that but yeah yeah for sure and that's, I mean, that's a whole other soapbox and, and you know that now that i think about it that, that's kind of uh, everything that I really like tends to be that way. Kind of yeah. or just uh, look at, don't touch for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, dark frogs, aquariums, chameleons, chondros, all the stuff that you can kill pretty quickly and shouldn't touch. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. you just get used to that kind of thing though. Cause I mean, I was, it wasn't until I started keeping inverts, you know, scorpions and tarantulas and stuff that I was like, I'm okay with not having to interact with it. Like you kind of learn not like I don't know. It sort of retrains you to to not feel the need to take it out and pester it. And yeah, that that was always a thing for me. Like back in my beginning days of keeping, you know, I was like I I only wanted stuff I could you know take out and actually hold and whatnot. I'm like, what's the point of something if I can't even hold it? Not that I played with my snakes day in and day out, you know back then but you know i did handle my stuff more often you know especially more often than i do now because you know i work full-time and all that stuff but it's it was one of those things but now it's just like yeah i'm totally okay having something that i don't need to touch that's why you like it yeah exactly <laughs> but we're working on it we're, we're gonna we're gonna work with echo echo needs to be able to come out and not kill me you, so. My other chameleon experience was circa like 1999. We were living in Hawaii, and they used to sell Jackson's chameleons on like the side of the road because they're invasive there, and they have them in the mountains and Honolulu and stuff. Jeez. 
So we got a pair of those, and my dad kept them in a birdcage, which actually kind of worked out. What? Not gonna lie, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of people actually do use those. Yeah. Oh wow! And they were I've really cool. Heard of that. They were they were awesome. That was like in terms of like one of the earliest like reptile memories. You know that would be definitely up there. They were always pissed off though. It was pretty rare the the male was green. The female was always dark. I don't know. I don't. I don't even remember what happened to them. But I just remember being in Hawaii and having some Jackson's chameleons. Yeah, I've I've had those in the past too. Get like a a gravid female births like you know a dozen little Jackson's babies. It's pretty cool. See, and if I were gonna get a chameleon again and keep it alive, hopefully this time, you know, I you would think I would learn my lesson like twenty years later. Um, it would probably be a Jackson's just cause that's like, they, I just remember as a kid, I was just obsessed with them, dude. I was like, these are, they're tiny dinosaurs, man. It's a freaking, yeah. like the little horns and everything. I was like, these it's are the a mini, thing it's ever. a mini triceratops, man. Yeah. I mean, I think for the most part, they're, uh, I found that they've kind of gone the way of a lot of other reptiles and snakes where, you know, people always thought you keep them warmer. And a lot of chameleons actually really like it quite a bit cooler. Um, the Parsons in particular, he seems to be, you know, at his best kind of between 70, 78, maybe 80. Uh, okay. 80 anything above 85, and he's looking all stressed out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that, so that's like 85, no added heat source or anything, just like UVB light? Do you keep like an ambient temperature, or do you keep a lower ambient with like a heat source? Um, so for the first year or so, I kept him strictly indoors. Um, for most of that time, I was living in a condo and I had a cage I built, um, myself just kind of out of, uh, wood and wooden, um, wire. And that cage was mostly open air. Um, I covered a couple sides, just to kind of try not to have it so dry as up in Colorado. Right. Um, but I had, you know, uh, an auto automatic nesting system set up on them that would go off twice a day. Um, outside of that, I did have like a little heat source on them because I, I kept our, you know, our house is probably like 72. Um, so he would go up there in the morning and, and bask for a little bit, but for the most part, he was fine that way. Um, now that I'm, uh, we moved into our house. I've actually kind of started experimenting a little bit and I'm currently keeping him in the window. Well, of, in my basement. Oh, so I was, I was just sitting down there. I have my snakes down there right now. I'm just looking at it and I'm like, this kind of looks like a zoo exhibit. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's like five feet high. Um, yeah, and it, you know, it's got like a, a big window, um, sliding window on it. Um, so I was just looking at it one day, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to see, start tinkering with it, see if I can convert it to maybe work. I started temp gunning it, you know, the bottom on the, the ground is probably like 67, 68 and near the very top of it, it might get to like 82, 85. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a, a really nice little gradient in there. Um, I threw some, uh, you know, big Schifflera, big kind of. Um, bulky plants in there, put some branches in there, 
covered the top with uh, with screen, and it's been working awesome. I've been doing that for almost two months. Uh, it looked really cool from the video you sent me. Was it yesterday? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I I did rig up my misting system to be on there because you know, like I said, Colorado, so it's it's super dry. But uh, now that we're kind of getting into August, we're starting to get see these uh, daily monsoon rains. So I've kind of cut it back for the most part, and now I'm doing it manually. Uh, but I, I sent Justin a video. It was the other day. It was thunderstorming, so it was just pouring in there, and he was loving it. Gave him a hornworm, took it off my finger. That's nice. pretty cool. That so was always it's the just like, it's like an it's just an open top. Like there's well, yeah, yeah. I know there's screen, but it, there's there's no like it's just sky up there, no glass or nothing. Yep. Yeah. So oh, he wow. gets full full sun, full UV. Um, and you know, it's, it's heavily planted so he can, he can kind of get away from all that if he wants to, nice. he can get up, up and, you know, sun himself fully if he wants to, um, you know, I'll, I'll probably only be able to do that for like two or three months out of the year, but, um, I'll probably keep doing it every yeah. summer. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I was going to say, cause come winter. Yeah, I don't know. Winners of yeah, in Colorado. <laughs> be, I don't an, think be an ice cube. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's really cool. So, man. what is like? What's kind of the standard for feeding them now? Like, you is that? It's, I notice a lot of people seem to offer a very varied diet now. I remember when I was a kid, it was like, yeah, just give them crickets dusted, you know, and that's it. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah, I I try to I try to offer as much many options as I can. Um, you know, I, the closest, closest kind of herp specialty store by me is, is probably about an hour away. Mm-hmm. So I, I mostly rely on like PetSmart or Petco and just kind of do crickets, um, crickets, superworms, waxworms, things like that. Uh, and then every once in a while I'll head down there, I'll get, you know, a bunch of hornworms, uh, dubia roaches. I do breed those, but they don't really... Uh, I don't really pay enough attention to them to get them to breed enough to to feed them, so I have to kind of replenish that every once in a while. Um, but yeah, pretty much whatever I can, whatever I can get my hands on, he'll he'll take insect wise. Um, I'll also kind of, you know, sometimes a year we'll have grasshoppers, uh, dragonflies. If I can catch any of that stuff, I'll give it to him. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah just kind of try to vary it up. Um, I know a lot of people in the chameleon community are, are really big on silkworms. Uh, I would love to do that, but having only one at the moment, buying like $150 worth of silkworms just yeah. doesn't make sense. I, I wouldn't be able to go through them. So I haven't really done those much. And I, See, I've, I've always, like, panthers are really cool. Mellers are really cool, like, the Brookesia are really cool. There's a ton of species. Like, carpet chameleons I've always thought were really neat, but it sounds like those are, like, some of the worst as far as keeping them alive. Um, um, like, I, I, I mean, I, I haven't kept them in a long time or worked with them, but um, I know there's a, there's a few guys out there that have a lot of success with them, and they they actually keep them more in, like, ter- you know, variums uh, as opposed to, like, a, you know, kind of the more old-school, like, screen cages. And it seems like people are having quite a bit of success with them. And I, I know 
at least a few guys are on like, you know, eighth generation or some, something crazy like that. Yeah. Mm. I just, I've always liked nice. chameleons, but the one, one of the things that always kind of turned me off to him is just the fact that they don't, I guess that just goes back to like snakes sort of spoiling us. Like chameleons don't live terribly long compared to a lot of other reptiles. Yeah, I mean, the, from what I understand, the Parsons probably live, you know, eight to twelve years, something like that. So it's it's not a super short time. That's um, that's a pretty good see, lifespan. I was thinking for Pro- some reason it was more like five to six or maybe seven. Pro- probably longer than the average conjurer life, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> if it's in my hands, you're damn right. <laughs> Um, no, I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I can't really speak to that at this point because I've, I've only really worked with this one. Um, I know, you know, a lot of, a lot of the other species that I've had experience with in the past didn't seem to have super long lifespans, but a lot of those were wild caught, came in as adults. So who knows? Um, you know, they come in in bad shape to begin with. I just uh, you found don't know that what odd, age they are. Because given how slow metabolism they are, you would think they would almost be like tortoises where they lived an extended period of time. But they don't. And I'm sure there's a reason behind that. Like there's some sort of physiological reasoning. Yeah, yeah. It just, I always found that odd. I don't know. You know, I mean, compared to snakes and tortoises and most lizards, you know, they they just don't seem to, yeah, they don't they seem to hang on very long. They are super unique in their their uh, reproduction. The, at least with the the Parsons, their incubation is like you know like thirteen to eighteen months, something like oh that. God, really? Um, and they they require like a, a seasonality, so you have to put them through a diapause, cool them down, and then warm them back up. Um, I I don't know all the details of of how the, some of the guys have done it, but I know it's it's not just like you know most most herps out there that you're that you're incubating. Much more complicated. And do they have large clutches, kind of like the panthers do in the veils? Um, I, I want to say from what I've heard, like you know, like fifteen to thirty, something like that. Mm. I just I know. Yeah. Um, no, go ahead. One of one of one of Craig Craig's uh, recent clutches. The guy who I got mine from. Yeah. Uh, I think his recent clutch was seventeen, mm-hmm. from a uh, from another locality. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Nice. It just sucks, man. You have like these screaming blue panthers and stuff too, and then it's like you you know they get to adulthood and you breed them and you get really attached to them and then. They kind of look like it's yeah, time, I mean, time for them to die. And it's like, well, shit. You know, I'm, I'm not so sure. It, it's been a long time since I've kept Parsons. Um, but I'm not so sure that they have a super short lifespan. I think people, you know, kind of like snakes, uh, at least this is just kind of my intuition, is that, you know, they breed them. Uh, panthers mature very quickly mm-hmm. and color up. So I think a lot of people are just kind of like churning through the next generation and getting their next best breeders uh, and moving those along. So I'm not sure how many people who at least are producing panthers are keeping them their whole lifespan. Right. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, you see with snakes too, people, you know, people will 
go through a couple generations and and then they're like well why am i gonna you know especially with ball pythons you know one like after three seasons or whatever they're like well why would i keep this thing it's at, at this point it's like obsolete to what, what i have now yeah. um so I, i'm not sure how many people are really seeing these things through their whole lives hmm. yeah that's a good point i do miss and sure with... too sorry go ahead Jeff. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sure with, like, chameleons, like, if you're not, like, if they're getting sold as an adult, you know, they get established, and then they get sold as an as adults, you know, the stress of just going through, you know, environment change, and they get sold again and again, it's like, you know, they're animals that can get easily stressed, and I feel like that can ultimately cut back on lifespan at the end of the day. Sure, sure. I don't know. I'd like if I, that's, I just, I'd like to have Jackson's again. Like, that'd be cool, but yeah, you know, I don't know. It just, like I said, because maybe it's just from, because snakes spoil you, but we just kind of have it and you expect it to live for a very long time. And, you know, I don't just, I don't know. Condors will beat that out of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything I have is doing solid right now. Knock on wood. Yeah, keep knocking, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had any problems. I haven't been bringing any new ones in. Just rolling with what I got. Hey, but it's worth it, right? Because they're not brown. That's right. Hey, hey. They aren't. Hey. They hey. aren't papayan. <laughs> Watch it. <laughs> Them spotting words around there. <laughs> <laughs> the uh. Man. Do you ever keep any other Morelia outside of green trees? Do you ever get into carpets? Yeah, pretty much everything. Um, I back in the day had um, scrubs, I had tanner bars, Malukan. You know, hey. back when everything was like readily available. Yeah, I had a little <laughs> bit of everything at some point. Um, you know, I remember getting Malukans for like 150 bucks um, at at Hamburg. Uh, on the uh, uh, and aside about Hamburg, but like next to a table of like black mambas and cobras yeah. and baboon vipers for like 75 bucks. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. That, it's still not that, far off now as far as venomous goes. I mean, the more I hear <laughs> yeah, about Hamburg, that, the more it sounds like it's Narnia. Like everyone I've heard talk you, about it, they're you, like, it's another planet. I, I haven't been there in, in a number of years, but you should at least go check it out once. It's it's unique for sure. Um, it's a pretty big show, isn't it? Uh, it? It was when I lived there, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I was at Tinley, um, uh, not this last one, but the, the year before. And it, it, I mean, it's got at least, when I was last there, the vendor account was probably similar. Damn. Oh, wow. They pack it in there. Mm-hmm. And if you go in the summer, it, it's hot. <laughs> uh, probably COVID smells 19. like sweat, too. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it's like going to the Columbia show in the middle of summer. Oh, uh, God. That was, I mean, that was not too bad, but I do remember it being yeah. a little warm last time we went. It gets hot in there, man. There's all those warm bodies walking around. They keep it warm for all the animals. And 
I'm sweating after I walk around Columbia. I mean, I haven't been in a while, but yeah, yeah. But I've I've, I've worked with yeah Malukans, Tannen Bars, Barnecks, um, Jungles, Popwinds, IJs, whatever, uh, Coastals. I mean, I've I've dabbled in pretty much everything, um, and most of that stuff. Save me with the Malukans. If if I could get my hands on them now, I would. But um, I mean, a seven or eight foot solid gold snake is pretty freaking cool. But um, most of the other stuff, it just you know, I I'll keep it for a while. And you know, I like all reptiles. Don't get me wrong. They just they just didn't do it for me. I don't, yeah. I don't can't really pinpoint exactly what was missing. But I just didn't get the same enjoyment out of looking at them as I did my chondros or or whatever else well, I was keeping. Obviously, because they're awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes, man. I, I mean, it's I've, I've kept stuff that was just like, I, you know, for me, that was Bloods. Like, I thought I was going to be really into them, <laughs> wanted to do it, and I got some, and I was like, I'm good. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. they just didn't do it for me. They're cool snakes, they're great and all, but there's like keeping a glorified ball python of sorts. Yeah. You know, I, I, I want Angolans, man. Whatever. Angolans are cool. My I, I next do want, yeah. Pseudo I ball python is going to be an Angolan. Yeah, that would be pretty sweet. Yeah, that that and uh, Sanzinia, those are two that I've never uh, that I would that I would like to. Dude, I want. Uh, oh, I, want I don't understand the oh, Sanzinia so cool. hype, man. You don't like what? I don't get it, dude. I have got. You, I got. Have you hand. seen one yeah. in person? In person. They're, at a zoo, I don't remember which one, but <laughs> they're they they have a super unique and cool head, and the the label scales are just they're super unique. Yeah, not not really like anything else. <laughs> yeah, they're so cool, man. I got when I went out to uh, Northeast Carpet Fest in Pennsylvania, um, I got to uh, we went to Matt Menatola's house, and I got to handle his, and oh my gosh, man, they are so stinking cool. I don't know. Maybe it's because I remember when they were actually not hard to get a hold of and no one seemed to care. And I mean, now they, that you can't. They've always, they've always kind of been difficult to, to get a hold of. Like, I, I don't ever really remember seeing them, like, plastered all over classifies or anything. Um, they definitely weren't, but there was a time where there, there were more floating around in the hobby than there are now. Yeah, yeah. No one yeah. cared. And I mean, yeah. I mean, I also think part of it is, I'm, I'm sure there's got there's got to be some guys out there that have been keeping this stuff that are just not on social media. You know, that's the one thing I'm learning as I. Oh yeah. You know, as I get busier, and I'm sure it'll it'll definitely, uh, you know, get uh, extrapolated as I have kids here. But you know, I've been pulling a lot farther back. And then I post this random blue chameleon, and everybody's like, "Holy shit! <laughs> Where, yeah. where is this guy? What's this guy doing?" Um, they got like a whole lot of um, interest in just from that one one little post. But there's got to be guys around that are keeping all sorts of really cool stuff that they're just not not vocal, not out yeah. about it. I mean, I think people were a lot more interactive back in the forum days when you didn't have to be on Facebook or Instagram or what or any of those things. Um, and it was it was literally just snake people or lizard people or whatever. 
Um, you know, like I've, I've just kind of started getting back into, you know, king snakes and stuff. I just picked up that, that, uh, I'll turn a pair from Justin. Hey. Um, nice. Yeah. But just trying to kind of like dive back into that and, and get a grasp of who has what and who the people are has been super difficult. Like I've, I've, I've tried to kind of navigate it on Facebook and, and whatever, but, um, yeah, it's just super hard to kind of find, you know, who who's working with what and who has stuff right. available anymore. Man, you remember when Alterna were like the thing? Oh yeah, yeah. And I mean, it seems it seems like there's still a lot of people doing it. They're just they're just hard to find. It's it's almost I don't I, it's kind of like the the old night guy in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Everyone kind of left him behind. But if you go in that cave, he's still sitting there waiting. Like that's the Alterna community. Well, like, and we're I've, still here. I've also, I've been, I've been trying to find uh, Nablaki, Nablachu, however you say mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, those as Man, well. And it, it's hard. It's hard to track those down. Yeah. I'm think I'm thinking like, well, shit. I might as well try and really get them while I still can, because you know, just like everything else, who knows? It could, you know. People stop working with them and they just kind of fade away. Yep. Even stuff, even stuff that's native to here. Well, you know, in the latest issue of her Pop I mean, Culture like, magazine, there's a whole article about that very subject. <laughs> it's a little just, shameless plug there, bud. Yep, no shame in my <laughs> game. Nah. It's interesting, and I mean, me and Harlan talked about it a lot. Like Harlan and Rob Stone are both guys that have seen. A ton of stuff come and go in the hobby. You know, Harlan said the yep. same thing. You could get monkey-tailed skanks or whatever the hell they're called for next to nothing. At, when I worked at that fish place, we would have people in come in and surrender them. They would just give them to oh, us. Man. Be like, Jeez. we don't want this thing anymore. And we would take it, and we would sell it for like 100 bucks. That's. I mean, it, it, it was just super different <laughs> yeah and harlan talked about it too he's like you know we we used to sell them for next to nothing and then the borders closed like they became protected and overnight he's like the price just skyrocketed he said just yep. like that you know it, it takes no time for that kind of stuff to happen i mean like savus and you know we've talked about those on snakes and stogies a lot like those at one point were also not terribly difficult to come across they weren't terribly expensive now, yep. I mean, I can literally only think of like maybe three people off the top of my head that even have some, and that's not even like people yeah. that are breeding them. Yep. Yeah. I I I had one of those back in the day. Got it for eighty bucks a hamburger. Jeez. It's just like, nuts, it, it's, dude. Yeah, and it's 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 happening to all animals, not just you know reptiles and, you know it, it was starting to happen to the fish stuff when yeah. i was getting out of that uh hawaii i don't know if they ever did shut down I, I hadn't heard anything about it but they were they were considering uh shutting down quite you know uh, most of if not all uh, fish export from hawaii which if you're if you know anything about the the saltwater fish game i mean like yellow tangs oh, are like yeah, a, a, a huge staple those are from hawaii They're freaking um Naso tangs, you know, like a lot of stuff that that is very popular would have gone away overnight. My dad got a mole on his back bitten by a parrotfish once. 
Oof. Yeah, they they got some serious teeth. <laughs> yeah, they do. Well, it they was at coral. <laughs> yeah, it was when we were in Hawaii, obviously, and and we were at uh, Hunama Bay. So if anyone's ever been to like Honolulu, Oahu, there's this really awesome reef that you can go snorkel around. And my dad thought it would be a wise idea to sneak some frozen vegetables in his swimming <laughs> trunks. And when he opened that up, of course, like a bunch of fish swam around him and. He had a mole on his back at the time. I think I don't. I think it stayed intact, but a parrotfish <laughs> mistook the mole for, I guess, a pea or some other similarly shaped food. Gee whiz! Hashtag white guys in Hawaii. I mean, if we're talking about getting bit by a fish, I've had like brim and bluegill. Like I've I've had my belly button and my nipple attacked in my pond before. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, man, just swimming around. All of a sudden, they're like, <laughs> and he's like, bite you like six times right in the nip. Mm. It sucks. Was there, is there, but, like, as I'm, I'm completely oblivious when it comes to fish, like, I can identify a few, like, saltwater species that are common, but was there, is there ever, or was, was, slash, is there currently, like, a ball python of the fish world? Clownfish. Clownfish, a hundred percent. Yep, they they Damn have Finding Nemo. They've select <laughs> they've selectively bred those things so much. There's like uh, dozens of different, you know, for lack of a better word, morphs. I don't know if they call them that because um, like, I've never like really phenotypes and so yeah, yeah. I mean, they yeah. they have all these like fancy names like snowflakes and you know Scales. Wyoming Scales. whites and um, yeah, I mean, there's like all white clownfish. Um, yeah, I've seen those. Yeah. Aren't there like white and black ones too? Yeah, they've got them like all different patterns. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it, I don't even have to think about it. It's, it's clownfish. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used there, I went through a period where I wanted to get fish, but I, I never actually did it. So much um, work, man. Yeah. The only thing, like nowadays, the only fish I would keep, and I, I, I would only get like an eel. I would get like one really badass eel in a big cage, all fully set up, and that would be it. <laughs> but yeah, you know, another thing. Now that I'm thinking about it and and comparing it in my head, coral is actually quite a bit like that. Um, it, they people have come to like they'll import new coral, mm-hmm. and if it's even slightly unique they give it like a their own like you know oh, brand, yeah, branding name i noticed they that. upcharge it um i had an yeah, ex it, that used it, to do that they, he used to deal with corals and his whole garage was nothing but like those really shallow tanks where he was growing corals and it was like keeping up yep, with the names yeah, and stuff i was like holy shit yeah, yeah. It, it was really big in south florida when i was there um and people people making serious money like i've i've seen like a one inch piece of acropora go for like you know nine hundred thousand bucks and and those things can melt in like two hours if you don't know what you're doing (laughs) wow yeah i mean it was really cool to see the operation and everything and how he was doing stuff like it was really interesting i just i couldn't keep up with it you know it was like how do you you know what's not cheap man yeah uh, my my aunt, I don't think she still has because the tank. She had a big like, it was like a hundred and fifty some gallon, maybe even more, you know, saltwater reef tank. 
and uh, she had she had so much money just in the coral and that in that tank, and let alone the fish and everything else she did for it. It was insane, but yeah. she ended up yes. Yeah. But I I will say to to that community's credit, they generally do put as much effort into the setup as they do how much they spent in the right. animals themselves. That in that regard, they are leaps and bounds beyond the herp community. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And I'm kind of surprised you don't see a lot of crossover as far as like dart frogs with the saltwater tankers. I mean, they are very similar. I just think dart frogs are obviously a hell of a lot less maintenance and time. Yeah, I mean, I think people probably just get obsessed so much that you don't have time for for one or the other. I mean. When I lived in Florida, I had a 120-gallon reef tank, and I spent easily as much time, if not more, on just that one tank as I did on my entire herb collection. Oh, jeez. I mean, it was it was like an hour or two a day. Wow. Part of yeah. that was just because I really enjoyed it, but, you know, it, it was a lot of upkeep, um, and I had a lot of coral in there. Hmm. Nice. That's awesome, man. What do you what what kind of fish tanks do you have now? No, I don't have any now. Oh, no, um, no. Okay. I kinda I kinda got burned out on it. Uh, yeah, I hear you. After, after being that <laughs> hardcore into it for like six years. Yeah, yeah. Um I'll probably get another another tank eventually, but um yeah, I need I needed a break from like water changes and, and yeah all that sort of stuff. So were you mostly like saltwater stuff or did you mess with fresh water? Too. Uh, we did have fresh water at the places I worked. Uh, it, it wasn't as interesting to me for the most part. Right. Um, you know, the, the fish generally are, you know, much more colorful and pretty when it comes to salt water. Right. Um, fresh water, definitely less variables to account for, especially if you're keeping coral. Mm -hmm. Um, so from a maintenance perspective, you know, I might I might dabble in freshwater at some point. Because uh, you can still get some of the colors with some of like the, the African cichlids and whatnot. Like fish. you can really get you can oh shut up. <laughs> <laughs> food coloring food color they're, filled. They're infused tetras. with jellyfish DNA. Yeah. Yeah. I mean there there are some like really cool like little tetras and Yeah, and tetras are cool and some barbs and whatnot, you know. But, yeah. The, I, I've always liked the the cichlids, man. I, I've seen some really nice, ni nicely set up big, you know, cichlid tanks. You know, obviously stuff that can get along with enough space and whatnot. But if you set a tank up right, they can be really, really cool. Want, yeah, definitely. They're I pretty hardy too. Piranha and an electric eel. Oh my god, <laughs> dude! Tell me that wouldn't be badass if you had like an Amazon basin sort of freshwater tank that had. I guess yeah. it would kind of be more brackish than anything else, depending on what you're talking about. But that'd be freaking sweet, dude. Have an electric eel just cruising. Get a little yeah. yellow anaconda to chill in there. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a thousand gallon enclosure. Get a nice basin emerald and some trees over over it. Hope it doesn't fall in the water and yeah. die. Get eaten by the piranha. And the National Aquarium actually kind of does have an exhibit like that. Mm -hmm. they, I don't know if they still have it, but they had a green anaconda. They had a bunch of like Amazonian 
um, like Paku and different stingrays and stuff like that wow. all, to, all together. Um, yeah, that's, that was a pretty cool exhibit. So we got to get down to what's important, and that is, are you pairing chondros this year? Uh, I'm I'm pairing them. That doesn't necessarily mean jack <laughs> shit, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll throw some stuff together. Nice. And they'll probably go since I'm having twins, yeah. and I won't be able to <laughs> I won't be able to deal with it. You're gonna yeah. get a hundred percent hatch rate from every clutch. <laughs> So then you're going to be juggling sleeplessness of twins and then the pulling your hair out of having baby chondros that won't eat. Yeah. Well, start them off young. Have baby in one hand and tongs in the other. <laughs> there you go, man. Strap them to your back. <laughs> this is um, called a pinky mouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I do have... Um, do you have a couple girls that I can that I can try this year? So, so we'll see. I'll, I'll throw them together and see what happens. Yeah, that's sweet, man. Yes. What's your what's your your experience been with with neonates in the past, though? I mean, have you had some that were like you had any clutches in particular that that were a lot more difficult than others, or? Um, I, I mean. I mean, this kind of goes with a lot of uh, a lot of baby snakes I've dealt with. It, you just kind of gotta take your bumps and and figure it out through trial and error. I mean, I I definitely kind of figure out a technique that that worked for the last few um, babies I've had. Uh, the the last baby I hatched, which was it was a clutch of one, but he ate five days out of the egg. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, full frozen ball pinky. Um, so I've, I've kind of got my little technique that seems, seems to work. Um, knock on wood. I'll, I'll probably hatch some and they won't eat, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they're definitely, you know, there's definitely a t- technique to it, uh, that, you know, I, I know like John, John Irby's, he's posted a couple little videos that were, that were pretty good. Uh, he kind of does, uh, fairly similar to what I do, uh, kind of like, um, some little, like, you know, pinching on the back. Um, you know, also do, uh, one of the techniques I'll use is I'll take the pinky about midway on the tongs and I'll just kind of, uh, apply a light, light pressure with the pinky on the back of the snake mm-hmm. and try to position it where the head of the pinky is by the head of the snake. And then I'll just kind of like uh vibrate or to like jiggle it back and forth uh and that that actually works pretty well um for the ones that i've had nice um but yeah it's it's just kind of like trial and error just keep trying different things um or you guys could just breed the superior morelia and offer it a fuzzy right off we could but we'd be wasting our time Might as well just breed ball pythons at that point. Ah, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, man. Whoa. That <laughs> shit cuts deep. All right. This concludes another episode of the Podcast. And I feel dumb because I was like, hey, you ever kept any Morelia? And then I completely forgot that my female IJ came from you. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I yeah, know I, this. I got, bored of, I got bored of it. And I was like, hey, take this. <laughs> 
that animal was the cause of a lot of consternation between Jake, Billy, and myself. What they all want it? There, yeah, kind of. Let's. Uh, <laughs> we're not gonna get into that. All right, that was the whole thing. I, at the end of the day, it wasn't that big of a deal. They were fighting over me for it. Ain't nobody was <laughs> fighting you over it. If I recall the message Brian said, it's, hey, do you think Jacob would want this? I, I so don't, I'm yeah, sure I don't, it the feet, I don't think that's what the message said. It. We'll have to go back so, and check. Yeah, I, d- I do recall that, actually. Mm. No, I, uh, I, I remember cause very I, well, because that's the only reason I was a little mad, because I was like, I'm pretty sure he offered it to me through Justin. Because I, I was about to like put it up for sale. I was like, I don't want to like deal with shipping two snakes. I'm already shipping... Justin Snake, it's like I know you're close by. You keep them. Like, do you want this thing? You know. But yeah, it's cool. Justin just took it, so that's fine. That's what I. And now but I have, anyways, and I have a mail. So... Uh, he'll probably sell it to you eventually. No, like all oh. right. I kept it because <laughs> Jake wanted it. Billy wanted it. I couldn't choose, so I said, screw both of you. She's mine. Look, like I said, at the end of the day, the only reason I was kind of confused is because you sent me the message, and, you know, he, again, he, he I, offered I, it I to me. So that's why I was like, well, okay, I guess, you know, Billy can have it, or you can just keep it, you know, whatever. That's that's fine. I'm not male-heavy either. Whatever. No. But it's fun. Yeah. At the end of the day, like I really didn't like. I don't have stuff that would really mm. flow well with what she is. So see, he complains about she's, she's, she's like, a she's pop one. Even... What else is there to flow with? She's look, look, man, look. <laughs> I know you conjure guys just throw anything and everything together, but us carpet guys, we, we do things a lot more selectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. just just step off, Fisher. All right. So That's... all the designer stuff was purely just an accident. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> don't, you, don't you just sprinkle some Bioc into something else and bam, yeah. you got a designer? Isn't that how that goes? Yeah, no, we we carpet guys have to work for our, our stuff. So. Speaking of Bioc, what is it about Bioc that you like so much, Brian, since that is that you and I and Justin Wilbanks and a handful of other guys were, were like Bioc dudes? Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Um, I mean, first of all, it's the first one I ever had, so it's got some sentimental value. Um, but beyond that, I really just enjoy kind of the, the long exaggerated change. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like the ones that I've produced, they go through like, you know, they're, they're basically the neonate colors for the first year. And then they kind of like, they go through this bright yellow phase for another year. And then they gradually start to change green um, over the next two or three or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's just kind of like a, you know, like I've kept a, I have an aru, I've kept a ruse, and then like, you know, they're like they're yellow, they're yellow, they're yellow, and then they're just green, and it's like over. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, then you, you, you still have like another three years of growing it up, um, but I, I just really find the, you know, the three, four, five year long change that's very gradual and it's very subtle you see like scale by scale things start to change and lighten up i just find that more interesting than the kind of sudden uh the sudden change of the other stuff mm-hmm. right 
Yeah. And I also, uh, I also find their, their, just their structure to be more attractive. Like their, their head structure. It's like more, more dragon. It's a little more dramatic. uh, More, yeah, more exaggerated. Um, They're cool, man. I, I can't wait to see, you know, the one that I have held back, the one that Luke has, the one that David has, the one that you have. Like, I can't wait to see how those turn out. I don't know, like, Everyone, I posted a picture of mine recently, and everyone was like, "Wow, it's so nice." And I kind of was like, "Was like, it's a biak. I don't really know exactly." <laughs> I was like, "I didn't really think it was anything that outstanding, but I guess that's yet to be seen." So, I don't know. Like, I do have a couple green scales coming through on mine, but I think I saw someone yeah, my, on that picture. Yeah, mine from you. It's got a, a couple green scales, but it's got some um, probably like half a dozen kind of white clusters mm-hmm. coming in. Hmm. I'm hoping they'll do it again and I'll have something come the winter. Are they yeah. paired up now? They've been walking. Yeah. I mean, I had them, I put them back together in last month. Maybe it might've even been April, but I mean, I like the, they're separated right now. Um, but I mean, they were locking up here and there. Like there was one point where every morning I walked in to turn on the lights, and they were locked up or cuddled up. And then they kind of went through a period where they didn't do any of that. And then I'd wake up ran- one random morning, and they'd be back together. And so I don't, I don't know. I think it's gonna be like the first time where I can have them together as much as I want year round, and they're not gonna do anything. And then come like what the typical season is for most people that pair them then that's when I'll actually get something out of it. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that that's part of the hard part with them is, is figuring out the timing, uh, when the, when the female's ready to go. Um, so if you have a pair that that's cool, just being together most of the time, that definitely makes it easier. Yeah. I was hoping some of my younger males would make something happen, but they're just going to have to wait until next year. I mean, right now she's like that female is my only breedable female, so I'm kind of limited in my options. But I'm hoping I have a, a close to even ratio, or that I'm slightly male heavy once this this rack of younger stuff sort of grows out and comes of age. Yeah. Yep. I'm I'm kind of in the similar boat. I've I've got um, you know four or five adults right now, but most of what I have is, is kind of one to three year olds all kind of coming up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jake wouldn't know nothing about that. His stuff breeds after like six months. <laughs> uh, no, actually I have a four year old female that didn't go for me last year. So it sounds like you don't know what you're doing then. <laughs> sounds like I actually produced some snakes this year. So I had some bad yeah. eggs. I went there. Yeah, I had. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows how to respond in this situation. Yeah. No. Whatever. Whatever. Hey, we we could keep them too and produce snakes every year too. Hey, we choose we choose not to. And that is your choice. Right, you guys just keep your keep yeah. your green snakes on a I, stick. I I kid, I kid. I like all snakes. Yeah, I day. do. I do appreciate the pop ones, but you can only keep so many snakes. Anybody yeah, can play I, in the minors. To be honest, I'm just still salty that I was 
now I have been promised two snakes from Justin and didn't receive <laughs> either of what them. What did I? What? What? The other, the first one was, hey man, why don't you just wait to get a chondro for when I produce some and you can get one of mine. And chondros come around, hey man, when am I gonna get one of those? Oh yeah, we'll see. You ain't ready for that life. <laughs> Next thing you know, oh, I've only got the one I'm holding back. Like, oh cool, thanks, bro. Like, uh, it's cool. And then hey. you know, my pop went just. Yeah, oh my got God. thrown out the window. So, whatever. He's not bitter. <laughs> no, not at all. No, no, it's mostly the conjure thing. Honestly, I was looking forward to that, What's man. The, I didn't. Do buy, you... I, I didn't buy one once oh, just oh, because. You yeah, told you're, he was about to buy one at our show, one. and I was like, dude, don't do it. Hey, that was. You know what? I could have said totally, dude, and then like a month later, that thing would have been belly up. Well, you also could have not promised me one of your captive bread babies. Yeah, That's not the last clutch mess. I'm ever going to produce. I'm waiting to produce something really nice <laughs> well, for you, buddy. I'm still waiting on the second one, all right? I, 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 just, don't, I don't want to give you just anything. I want to give you, like, top tier. Oh, uh, uh, so that, you that's know? what we're doing? That's where we're all at. All right, well, when, when you get one of my little popcorn babies, I fully expect, I fully expect what, a baby. That's not wait, an even true. Wait till, you, wait till you produce a yellow. Let him start with that. And then he can graduate to a red. Yeah, oh, oh, that's how we're going to be. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's fine. You can shove your yellow babies up. No, I'm just kidding. That was, that was Brian's reasoning when he sent me that, when I got that condo from him. He said, it's not red. I don't do yellow. It also wasn't a biak, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Being yellow didn't help it. No, I'm very excited about that one though. That one's legit, probably one of my favorites out of the group, easily. Which one? The little yellow manok type. Oh, nice. He's got like a little lightning bolt. Yeah, I don't think markings. he's. He's not oh, gonna know yeah. which one I'm talking about. Yeah, no. I mean, which one was it? If you tell me which who produced it, I would probably know. The Tim Crowther one. Tim Crowther. Okay. Yeah, I see nothing. Yeah, I think I know which one you're talking about. Swing and a miss. You're, you don't even have anywhere to put a chondro? Me? Yeah. No, Brian. Jesus. No. I got plenty of space. I mean, wherever you want. <laughs> Who else would I be talking to? <laughs> I don't know. I, but yes, I have. Dude, I just don't worry about me, okay? Just worry about your lies that you've been telling me. You're going to be like okay, that's, that's every all you need to worry about. rando that messages me and wants a chondro. Uh, I want a chondro. So now I'm what's just a your, What's your setup? That's oh, I don't have one yet. Don't worry about it. It's like, then you ain't got a chondro, bro. Th- thanks for just throwing me on that level, buddy. <laughs> You're just <laughs> you're so great. Uh, I can't wait to breed these pop ones in my sleep. Uh, Stevie Wonder could breed I, pop ones. I can't wait till you try to reproduce them and fail miserably. God, I can't wait. I will have already produced so much more. I'm going to laugh in your face then i'll just I give mean, the, oh, then i'll just give the pair to billy be like here man you can make these work yeah because i know you're gonna try and breed them both at two years old yep i mean in fairness you can't really blame chondros when it comes to justin he didn't produce the bairds either <laughs> Ooh. 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 that was different yeah. just saying i'm just saying <laughs> That was a fluke. Ah, yeah. I love it. Cooking them too hot, damn it. Lightning strikes yeah. in the same place twice. 
I always say. Oh, I'll say that when you produce another clutch of snakes. <sighs> One day we're going <laughs> to climb over that anger wall of yours and it's going to be glorious. <laughs> what? Hmm? Oh man! See, personally, personally, this is one of the parts of the the community that I miss the most about the old days before Facebook. Is it was a lot of this kind of like friendly ribbing. Oh yeah, and it, <laughs> that all went away when Facebook came around. Um, Everyone took it seriously. It was so no longer a joke. Yeah, it was now everybody's no getting offended. Attack. Yeah, there's no no longer nuance. There's no longer jokes. Yep. Yeah, we're all we're all saving the species we're working with. They're all going to go back to the wild and repopulate. Oh yeah, that's right. Everything we do is in the name of conservation. Jesus. <laughs> oh man, is it not? Do you, are you not planning to go to pop one or at least your pop ones, Jake? Uh, I mean, you need to. Yeah, ten yeah, percent of I'm, every animal you produce needs to go back into the wild. Yeah, every baby that I produce, or every every clutch I produce, I just, I just let a baby go. Nice. So just go down to South be Florida. Free, like, reproduce. We're gonna save you. We're gonna have a yeah. a conservation bank in the glades. Apparently, I guess that's yeah. what everyone else is doing because God knows what else is breeding down there right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I've, I've got bad news. If you're not AZA, AZA accredited, it's not going to happen. There you go. Mm. Uh, I've, heard a, I've heard a lot of things as far as zoos go and a lot of like red tape, you know, a lot of yeah. like politics well, think, in a sense. Yeah, there's definitely politics in, in that sector, um, but there's also some like real, real things that I think a lot of like just general hobbyists don't think about like you know especially with you know like nido being you know discovered the last few years like they don't they don't just like take random animals from somebody's basement and oh, release yeah. them back into a wild population to potentially spread some unknown disease right you know, they're they're uh, they're pretty strict with what actually gets sent back you know like when i was working at larry park zoo they still do it um they work on the Puerto Rican crested toad project. Mm -hmm. So they breed those, um, in Tampa at the zoo. And then they, uh, send tadpoles back to Puerto Rico to release. Um, but there's not many projects like that. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, think about successful ones. Think about how many people call up these zoos and be like, I have this reticulated Python or Burmese Python. That's too big. Do you guys want it? Oh, I've, I've got a story about the zoo God. when I was there. So we had, um, it was like late in the day, probably like five o'clock. We were all just like closing up, you know, doing our like rounds and checks, making sure everything's locked up. And we had some guy, like a, a landscaper or something, show up at our back gate. He, we got a call on the radio. So he said, this guy has a tortoise that he found on the side of the road. Uh, they want to see if we want it. And we're like, all right, we're like expecting a sulcata or something like that. Mm -hmm. It was like a 16-inch Aldabra. Wow. That this guy picked up off the side of the road in Tampa and brought to the zoo. Jeez. <laughs> That's nuts. That is... and, and, you know, I, I definitely have sympathy for 
you know, all, all of the, uh, the law stuff that's going on in Florida right now, but it, you know, it, it's not, a, it's not a straightforward solution down there. It, it's pretty out of control with all the invasive stuff. I don't know what the answer is, but I mean, I think know, we're, it, we're past the point of no return as far as answers go. Like some of that yeah, stuff's yeah, so I established mean, I, now it's not going anywhere. Like it's never going to, yeah. and you're never going to be able to get rid of it. Like yeah. berms and bales yeah. and stuff. It's never going to disappear. Nope. No damage is done. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> if you live in Florida, I don't, I don't think it's going to ever get any better no matter how far they, they fight. I, know. I definitely understand the need to fight, but, um, you know, I, I lived down there for, for five or six years and, you know, basilisks, tegus, iguanas, berms, aldabra tortoises, spiny tail iguanas, all sorts of stuff. See, and the tegus are, I like the tegus concern me more than the freaking berms do, man, because like berms, yeah, they're kind of limited to what they, what they'll eat, but like tegus do, they'll eat freaking anything. They're like the pandas of the freaking, or not pandas, the raccoons, the trash pandas of the top oh, yeah. world, man. Yeah. I mean, if you follow uh, Carlos Michelson, who we've had on the show to talk about tegus, he uh, he's in like South Florida and he traps them and he has Instagram stories like every day of him pulling tegus out of these these traps that they set. And it's just like, yeah. I'm like, what well, do yeah. what do you do with them all? It's just nuts, man. Yeah. Like those, I can see being a, a, a serious problem. Like berms, yeah, that's not yeah. good. But like tegus, that's like this is like the, yeah. the gremlins when the gremlins all got put into the water and started popping out. Oh my god, like, that's exactly what it was like, man. Yeah, and I mean, I I could be wrong, but I'm I'm pretty sure the tegus have gone quite a bit farther north than the berms have. Um. Yeah, they. I've heard I mean, I that there's sightings in Georgia, but I kind of question how legit that that news story yeah. is. But yeah. sucks. My yeah. my final question is going back to chameleons. Why is it you think a lot of species just aren't as popular in the hobby? Like obviously, veils and panthers. And uh, I guess Jacksons, to an extent, have always been sort of top, top tier, like top picks as far as hobby popularity. Like, why do you think it is that, uh, you know, aside from like the reproduction issues and whatnot, like what is it that has stopped other species from from getting more popular and more traction? Um, probably just the numbers that were imported. I would imagine. I mean, I I don't know the numbers for sure, but I know there were. Eight- crap load of veils and panthers coming in for a long time. Um, I'm sure they still come in from time to time. I mean, like there's, there's often periods where they do not import a lot of these other species uh, from Madagascar. You know, um, it, it can be very seasonal if at all. Uh, and that that's part of the struggle with, with the Parsons is there's very few people doing it right and they come in very infrequently so like for instance i have my mail i i bought two they ended up being a pair but i had no intention of breeding siblings together 
And so I ended up uh, trading the female to Patrick Holmes. So he has the female, um, but I'm, I'm still hopeful to find a female mm-hmm. that's unrelated. Uh, but there's none coming in. So it's, it's pretty hard, you know, you're relying on, you know, it, it, very few come in and then whose hands they get into is who knows, you know, if they're qualified or not to really do well with wild caught adult chameleons. Um, and then the odds of people who are successful actually trying to resell them at some point is, is even less. So, uh, I think it's mostly just an availability thing and the fact that they just don't come in very often anymore. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yep. Well, where can people see all your awesome stuff? On Facebook, uh, mainly. Um, I do go on Instagram occasionally. Usually I disappear for a few months, and then I'll pop up and post a bunch of pictures and disappear again. Um, <laughs> so, like, um, on Instagram, I just posted a bunch of chondro pictures and uh, that chameleon. Uh, page is Front Range Arboreals. Uh, you can also find me as just Brian Fisher on Facebook. And I frequent the Morelia Virtus forum on Facebook. See me on there too. Nice. Awesome, man. Well, we really appreciate you coming on, man, and uh, chit chatting with us for a while and all that good stuff. Really enjoyed this episode. Enjoy them all, Turno. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, they're they're super cool, uh, like little, uh, you know, rock rattlesnakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But won't won't kill me. <laughs> there you go. They're just the training. Right. They're the training manual for Lepidus and Clobber Eye. Yeah. Well, and Justin, I uh, I would say you should probably give that pop one to Jake. Because <laughs> now that I remember. Uh, I did say that. Anyways, the uh, show is brought to you by just, Steve Snakesuary <laughs> and MP Cages and Exotics. He's too attached now. Now, now that I've thrown the grenade, I'll. <laughs> he I'll just uh, closed the door and is signing off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. All right, we'll dude. talk at you soon. All right, man. Thanks. All right, dude. Take it easy. Right. Bye. Yeah. As soon as I got that pop one, man, I was like, oh, this thing's cool. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. They are cool, but I do. I am kind of reevaluating what what I really want to keep and what I really what your what what I'm actually going to hold on to and what I really want to. I'm trying to see what I can whittle down as far as the collection goes. Like what what do I really really want to focus on and what is kind of like a just a this will be cool in like ten years kind of thing. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. Probably just give the pair to Billy. Man. Hmm? Hmm? Say you should give her to Billy? No, I said I was gonna just yeah, gonna give the pair to cool. Billy. Or you could give her to me and then I'll trade her to Billy. For what? For something that fits more into what I'm doing. Simple as that. I'll definitely take Riley's boy, though. He'll fit right in. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I, like, I do like him. But at the same time, I wonder, like, they're kind of not really part of the grand scheme of things. So, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. 
I do like that. That girl's really pretty. I do like that. Do what? So I do like the female a lot. Like she's gorgeous. Oh Especially yeah. Especially after shed, man. She's she's gold. Yeah, she's a beautiful animal for sure. But, but this is episode yes. ninety-one. And again, this episode was brought to you by Steve Snake Sherry and Venom Hot Sauce, and MP Cages and Exotics. So check out those two awesome dudes doing awesome stuff for a hobby killer, that we killer all rats love. and cages from Sean. Yep, killer, killer hot sauce from Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So check out those guys, and uh, once again, thank you everybody for listening to yet another episode of the Herpetical Podcast. This might be the most enthusiastic outro we've ever had. Yeah, we sound so yeah, I'm, pumped I'm, to be here dude, and be bringing you this. I'm I'm not gonna lie, like I'm mega tired right now. Aww. So that's yeah. You I'm can sleep when you're dead, Brock. I've been up since five this morning, Aww. Smith Eye. It's nearly eleven o'clock. Nearly. So the night is still young. Huh? 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 See you later, buddy. Alright, everybody, take it easy. Night See buddy. You later. Bye. Bye.